0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's lessons are two stories. The story of the prodigal son tells of God's love for sinners who return and repent. The story of Israel in the wilderness, used by St. Paul as a pattern for the Christian life, is a warning to God's children not to drift away from home again. It is sometimes said that Jesus told stories to illustrate his teaching points, but that is an inadequate explanation. The Bible tells us stories because the Bible presents life as a story authored by God. Bible stories highlight the themes of God's story, the themes of the story in which we are called to live so that we can live faithfully within that story. The main temptation of the Christian life is to live in the wrong story. The world has its own competing story with competing themes. In the world story, life begins at birth and ends at death. Between those two points, the goal is to get as many of the things that you think will make you happy. Perhaps money, perhaps adventure, perhaps relationships, family, pleasure, power. Life is assessed in the world's story by how successful you are in acquiring the things that you think will make you happy. The word secular is often used to criticize the absence of God in the world story. We can, make fit, we can make God fit into the world story. We can pray to God to give us all the things that we think will make us happy. And then when we lose that stuff by death, we can talk about the consolation prize of the better place to which God will take us. This story is still secular because its focus is on this world and the happiness we find in it, and God is evaluated in terms of his ability to make us happy. God's story turns this upside down it evaluates everything in life in terms of the kingdom of God. Life in the kingdom begins not at birth, but at baptism and in the conversion of heart to faith in Jesus Christ. Because it consists of a life that does not end, its telos or goal is the resurrection and the life of the world to come. The biblical story assesses everything, money, relationships, pleasure, and power in terms of the kingdom of God, whether these things pull us away from or draw us closer to the kingdom. This is why Jesus warned us against idolatrous family attachments, saying, He who loves father or mother, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This is why Jesus taught us not to worry about money, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Saying, sell what you have, give alms, provide money bags which do not grow old, treasure in heaven which does not fail. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The parable of the prodigal son is a popular story, but the truth is that most people would react more like the older brother than like the loving father. Let's be clear about what happened in the story. The younger son demanded that his father give him his inheritance, probably about a third of the total estate, Before his father's death, how would you react to a child or younger sibling who did that in your family? And how would you react to a father who actually gave it to him? Then having squandered the goods, he came back hat in hand, begging for mercy. And his father not only gave him mercy, but killed the fatted calf through a party can we, can you honestly say that you would not be outside with the older brother complaining a little bit about the injustice of the whole thing? But in the story of the kingdom, things are assessed in a different way. The younger son's rebellion and his experience of the consequences of sin awakened him to the goodness of his father. He returned humbled and penitent, ready to experience his father's love in a way that he could not previously experience it in a state of blindness and presumption. God gives us freedom so that we can learn the lessons of sin and learn to embrace God's love freely. Now it's the older son's turn to learn the lesson of sin. Now he stands outside having exiled himself from the father's house in the very same way his younger brother did. The older brother's sin is pride. He feels entitled to receive what is always and only a gift. The story leaves us with a question. Will he also repent and return? Notice in the story that the stuff the goods and the monetary inheritance don't mean anything. It is all about the relationship with the father, a relationship that one can only enjoy by forgetting about the stuff and by letting go of the need to compare my stuff with someone else's stuff. The epistle addresses the next chapter in the story those who return to the Father's love experience times of testing, like Israel experienced in the wilderness after God brought the nation out of Egypt. St. Paul writes, I do not want you to be aware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The wilderness highlights a curious and consistent part of God's story. God adopts children, or reveals his true son. Then he immediately sends them into a place of desolation and need to see how they will respond. Testing is a central theme of the biblical story. Testing does not make sense if we see God mostly as the giver of happiness in this world. Why would God take good things from his children, things that make them happy. But if the things of this world can be temptations as well as blessings, if there is a real danger of idolatry, then taking some things away for a time makes sense. Thus God explained the purpose of the wilderness in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Testing reveals whether our relationship with God or Heavenly Father is more important than other things. We learn to love and trust God when things are taken away, so that true faith can be revealed and can grow. Consequently, the narrative of faith views the trials and tragedies of this world as the arena in which faith is developed and purified, and in which we learn detachment from the world. And here is a key point. We can remain faithful only by living in the right story. Only if we view the goal of this life as something beyond this life. Only if we embrace trial and testing as an opportunity to detach us from things so as to create a greater attachment in us to the things that remain. If we live in the world story, the wilderness will become a place of discontentment and murmuring. We come to the altar of God on the Lord's Day to remember what story we are living in. We come as prodigal children, returning to our Father to receive again His gratuitous love and grace. It is truly disconcerting and transforming that there is always a party, always a fatted calf, waiting here for us, despite our persistent rebellion. We are reunited with the Father in Jesus through the spirit and the sacrament. We are brought back into our Father's house. We receive the one thing that really matters in all the world, and this gives us strength to return to the wilderness of the world a little bit more detached from its idolatrous promises. Our vision grows a little clearer. We see that what the world offers us is not worth the cost of distance or exile from the Father. For we were dead and are alive again. We were lost and have been found and we don't want to get lost again. Thus we are exhorted, no temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability, but will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.